Anyways, all right, so let's get this going. We are on episode 25. We are. We are a quarter. I don't know, 24, 25. I'm going to go with a quarter Who century. Who can count this high? Uh, tw- Counting with a 25 in music would be tough. Either way, you make us do it with your album, your That's little uh, that your, your jerk. So uh, that jerk is Tim Murth. This jerk over here is Adam Keeler. And, well, you're a jerk for making us count to 25 with your crazy rhythmic stuff on your uh, album there. Um, now I'm, the next song I'm going to write is called The Jerk. I mean, Adam. <laughs> and it'll be in 25. It'll be in 25. <laughs> That'll be awesome. 25 is not the greatest one. Well, 25, that's an interesting time signature because it's sort of just five, right? But, yeah. Uh, if you did like five, I don't know. There's some interesting things you could do with that. I think depends on how you want to count it. If you the- phrased it in a way too, where there's only like there's five measures per system kind of thing instead of yeah. four, that'd be kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty. But, great then, but then it would feel like one. Tw- I don't know. Anyway, I have to think about that. Yeah, we better watch it. Otherwise, we're gonna start going, and then you do this. And- some somebody's gonna call us out and be like, you know, that's really just seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or somebody's going to go, like, he said 25-6. And I know 6 isn't generally used as a subdivision, but it does happen. There's some crazy new contemporary stuff where they'll throw 6 in there, and that's just a tuplet feel underneath. So it's uh, it's pretty cool, honestly. It, uh, I can't remember. There's a symphonic work. I'll have to look it up. But it's like in 12 – or uh, what was it, like 3-6, which everybody's like, huh? But it's because of the uh, – the breakdown is in it's in that t- it's like taking that measure and breaking it into six even divisions versus sure. uh yeah there like was the a, other- there was a piece i wrote actually it's on the new album the dislocated one the there's tr- it's it's like a polyrhythm of like seven over five or whatever something like that but then there's triplets within the seven okay so it's like so normally like the seven sort of feel like eighth notes a little bit and then there's triplets of those as part of it. <laughs> so now so it's like, really just, now you got to really think like, well, what does that mean? You know, it starts to get complicated. But you know, then once, you, once you feel, you have to learn how to, what it feels like, and then you can start playing with it. Exactly. And that's the, one of the things that I just like, well, let's go down this rabbit hole. Because we've both been working on rhythmical aspects of things for a while. Like lately, it seems to be like the thing that in our practice sessions, and you kind of started me on it a little bit more formally than I, I, I normally do. Oh, we're do. going down that rabbit hole. Yeah, that's do Yeah, let's, sure. let's, let's do that. Because it's something that I've been doing pretty much every day over the last couple of weeks of uh, just playing with uh, – staying in the pocket with slower and slower senses of time and it's oh, been so, from, slower markers of time right yeah slower markers of time yeah yep so, and that's been absolutely fantastic in terms of really reining in and how much you know and it was embarrassingly bad like the first time it sure. was surprising to me how much i was reliant on the click consistent versus you know, as I started to take away the four beats, let's just say out of curiosity, uh, or not out of curiosity, for example, instead of having like my metronome set at, uh, let's just say 60 and playing on each beat, 
keeping three of them on, but the fourth beat silent. Then two of them on, the three and four silent. Then right. one of them on, and that's it. And at sixty, that slows it down to you know like fifteen, 15 right. which is crazy unless you're really on top of counting. And it is yeah, so, so the, the, yeah, right. So the idea is, you're a lot of people use the metronome as tick 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 right. So you always have this constant thing that's like reminding you where the time is. So you kind yep. of don't have to pay attention in a way, right? Like you got to try to pay attention and put it in the right spot, but you're not responsible for time then. Mm -hmm. And the yep. whole idea here is like, well, what if it's now you try to do it with half that time, but keep the tempo the same. So if the yep. tempo was 120, right? It's still 120, but now you're only getting a click on 60 or whatever. And then mm -hmm. you're only getting click on 30, but it's the tempo still 120. So you only get that support every you know, shorter and shorter time. And then maybe eventually, yeah, you're like, and it's 15 or 10 beats. Maybe now you're at 120 and 10 beats is every six measures or something. You get one click, you know? Yep. And it's like, well, can you, can you maintain your sense, you know, your sense of time through that whole thing? It's really fascinating. And it makes, it makes a lot of sense why that would be important once you think about yeah. it. Oh, absolutely. It's one of those things that, uh, and I think to, to an extent, you know, at least for myself, like using the metronome on every particular beat, regardless of the time signature, you know, like if, if it's in 4-4, four, four, you know, have it going on every downbeat or whatever, yeah. uh, or, and so on, it became too much of a crutch. Yeah. Like I noticed that, like when I started tracking stuff outside of uh, just my normal classical things, it was like, God, if I didn't have that click, I was just not in the groove. And that was granted. You want to play with the click. You want, uh, click. You want it to all kind of like line up and keep that going. But that pulling back of that veil and taking away that crutch was like, holy cow! I've just been, I've been letting the click do the work for sure. me. You know? It makes sense. You think like when you're doing it, you're like, of course I want to use the click. Yeah. Like, yep. I want my time to be good and, and whatever. I want it to be perfect. You know, or those kind of things. But you really, yeah. Uh, what did I see? I was talking about Jeff Berlin. He's like very anti. He's a great bass player, pretty famous bass player. Um, played with Alan Holdsworth and Scott Henderson and a million other groups. Um, since we're on a, we're talking about guitar players, right? So yeah, yeah throw yep. two of the greatest guitar players that ever lived and ever will live out there, right? Yep. So he played with those guys, and he's very anti metronome and that's that. He, he was like saying it's like it's like you're playing with training wheels on all the time yeah like, when are you gonna take the training wheels off because mm -hmm. you you're actually not he he's arguing you're not really making your time better um now he he also made i saw a point through his like this is a recent comment but he's been talking about it for years so i saw this on yeah. facebook recently but he's like of course you know when i because somebody was saying well what about in like a studio when people use click tracks he's like yeah of course i'd use a click track like yeah that's, I'm not saying don't use a click track, but not for practice. Like not when you're, that's not going to help. He's arguing that wouldn't help your sense of time, whether we agree with that or not. It's sort of interesting to think about and it's, and it's easy when you do this exercise, when you're not putting the click on, you know, click, 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 where you're always getting the constant reinforcement. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I remember one of my yeah. yeah no one of my like early experiences with a guitar teacher and this wasn't formal but he was like a family friend he's like you know you know how I tell a good drummer is after I found out what a metronome was you know so you know it wasn't exactly at the beginning but a little bit close to it um, 
He's like, I just I set the metronome down, I turn it on, and then I'll turn it on silent and just see if they can say with it without looking at it. Yeah, sure. And I, I had no clue what he was talking about in the beginning, you know. But now, like, and later on, I was using the metronome. It was like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. It's all a matter of being able to consistently count, work that part of your brain where you're keeping the count. Right as it's going. And it's so, it's really, I I guess it's so remarkable to me how much I was using that. I I still was using that as a crutch because it would be constant. Like I would always tell my students, my family goes crazy when I'm practicing because all they hear is this click coming from my students. And there's, I'm not poo-pooing that too. Like as I, when I'm doing detail work, that works. But as it gets, I get further out, I space that out even more to make sure that I'm staying with it. Right. Eventually, it's like one beat every couple of measures. But, and You know, uh, we, if you would have asked us this a year ago, by the way, we wouldn't have been talking like this. So this is a relatively yeah. recent yep. realization. Um, it reminds me, I remember seeing this in a book and it didn't dawn on me enough when I read it. And I can't remember which book it was now. But they did a study of people counting. These non-musicians, musicians... And what they found is a remarkably good accounting time. Um, you know, non-musicians can go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and like they're actually like pretty dead on. Mm-hmm. Like, and and this is a part of the reason when you hear music and it doesn't fit well in that is because we actually like sort of just know what that is. Yeah. So yeah. when I think about that that comment now, it's like, well. It's already inherent in us that we'd have be able to do that. But in some ways, and I think this was Jeff Berlin would argue too, is that even just by using the metronome, you just told your brain, don't worry about that. You know, mm-hmm. we used to be able to do that, but I don't, yeah, you're going to have to start doing this a different way. I want you to think about it differently. Instead of saying, just learn how, you just count because you already know how to do it in a sense. Um, and that's actually like- one of his comments too, is he's like, it's remarkable to me how many bass players, because he's a bass player, can't count? Like, not, like they won't count th- for themselves. Me And, and I think it was, he was what he was really implying was when people put metronomes, a lot of times they're not actually counting. They just hear the click and they're playing against it. But if you're like, what beat was that? They'd say, um, they'd have to think about it maybe and be like, oh, maybe that was three or was that four? I think that was... Like they, they stopped actually counting because they were just relying on the metronome where yeah. you need to be like counting for yourself. Like, well, that was beats. That was the, the end of three or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you, you should just know that. And like people aren't paying attention. They're like turning that part of their brain off for some reason. And, and uh, that's yeah. one thing that I noticed with my own practices when I have like, well, just like with that, that Koshkin or Koshkin, um, Maybe it's Koshkin. I don't know. Either I'm going to go. To, I'm going to brutalize it with an American accent and say Koshkin's arrangement of Schindler's List theme. Like there's that section where it gets hugely contrapuntal and it's sixteenth notes uh, against an eighth note, yeah. uh, melodic content. And like I noticed that if I played with the metronome on every beat, I it, it would stay in time, but it was more like I, it would kind of knock me into place. Like I would be with yeah. it, but sixteenth notes weren't divided. But if I would count, you know, one E and a two E and a three E and a four E and a one right. E, and it was like boom, right in the pocket, nice and flowing, and the the phrasing really came to life. And I'm not counting it out loud; I'm just saying it in my head, and that's yeah. relatively rudimentary 
just subdivisions. Like everybody should be counting 16th notes. So, but the the thing is, is that when I play back recordings of both of those, like one with yeah. just the metronome and one with me counting actively in my head, it was like, holy cow, that made a huge difference. Plus, it really calmed down my playing in that section. Because when you just you're waiting for those quarter notes, you tend to be, oh, this is fast because you're playing you're playing sixteenth notes under oh, a quarter. Sure. Versus when you're counting every little thing, it's like, nope, it's just coming in these divisions and that's it. Even though it is in one sense, it's quote unquote fast. It's not the same perception of time uh, with that. And that's that Sorry. was a huge like, whoa, I need to start doing this with everything now. <laughs> so even pieces that I've been playing for years, like the BWD 998, which every single time I try to drop that thing from my concert program, I just can't. I just like it too much. But yeah. like I find myself in the, the, the prelude with the 12, 8. It's like now I'm like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, you know, well, not L12, uh, L12, yeah. not 11, because too many uh, syllables there. <laughs> it gets in, the, it screws up the time. So, but it just, uh, it really really was just like, whoa. And it immediately just straightened everything out in a musical way right. versus, you know, being, it didn't get to the point of like computer like time, but it really, right. and that, I mean that computer sense in a negative way, like Me to too, where it's yeah, like, no. now, that's another problem. I mean, I, I hear it a lot with actually a lot of the modern jazz fusiony kind of guys, girls, guys and girls, and same with like the progressive rock it's like their time, like the time's perfect, but it sounds so stiff. Like yes. it just doesn't sound good. Yeah, um, it doesn't have a great. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to say any names, but there's a there's a certainly a few I'm thinking of that are like astounding guitar players. That I'm like their time feels always so weird to me, and they're not rushing or they're not not or they're not behind. They just don't have any fluidity in their sound. It sounds like when they're recording they hear click 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 and they're just like right in it and like a machine but it does it's like no sense of feel it doesn't feel human it doesn't feel like it doesn't flow and like that that's something i've really been trying to like think about and work on lately and like i've shown you like i've been recording myself and i'll record these little segments like 30 seconds a piece and if you go much longer it's just too hard so it's like 30 seconds and listen evaluate adjust change 30 seconds it's brutal it's oh yeah really brutal but you really start to listen to like <laughs> you know it's funny then you just start you eventually you have to start just trying stuff because like you try to do the thing you think is right for a while and it just never sounds right and you know then you're like well then i'm gonna play super behind the beat like so far behind that it just feels like funny and then you do it and you're like wait that sounded better <laughs> So and then you're like, okay. And then you're, then you, but then it like, it still doesn't quite sound right. And then you got to like figure out, well, sometimes you got to kind of like be a little bit ahead and a little behind and you kind of like make this fluid thing. But the way that the whole, it depends on the phrase and like, it might start off a little quick and slow down a little bit, but it's all like 16th notes or something, but it kind of has this like stretching thing. And then when you do those, those kind of things, it actually feels better like mm-hmm. it, it's like sort of built into the lines and stuff. And when you listen to the great players, they all, they do those kind of things. Yep. Um, yeah, and it's just it's just really interesting. It's not the like o- overly precise thing. It's like there's a little bit of like playing with the the where your the beat is. Yeah. To make it more human. So yep. yeah, this this like click every once in a while sort of thing for reinforcement is great. And don't always just like. 
I'd almost say never have it land on one. It's like have it land on two. And then yeah. it only lands on twos. So yep. every other two or something you're hearing. Yeah. Two, three, four, one, three, four. So you got to like learn where that is and feel where that is so that it feels right when you're playing. Um, and I think part of this rabbit hole that we went down in terms of practicing that is just from re-listening that Pat Matheny uh, masterclass. Because oh, yeah. he like ripped that kid apart on the rhythm. Oh, yeah. But then it like, which seemed like, oh my God, dude, just calm down. <laughs> Leave him some skin. Don't right. Publicly, but then you hear him do it like as an example, like after he's talking about it, it's like, or maybe not. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, never mind. Go ahead and play the kid because yeah. So if you didn't, there's good. a Pat Metheny um, like lesson he gives. You can find it on YouTube. It's yeah. like 45 minutes, but it's it's pretty brilliant, brutal, and enlightening. <laughs> um, you know, it's a it's a kid. You've heard people play like this kid who. I wonder what, where he is now. I don't. I don't know when this was or whatever. I mean, this thing's been going around for a while. I know I heard it probably twenty years ago or something. Yeah, it um, was in the nineties, I think. Yeah, maybe. So he recorded his lesson and somehow got shared. But uh, yeah, I mean, he sounds like most good college players or whatever. You know, he's like obviously like knew some harmony and those kind of things. He wasn't. He wasn't awesome, but he wasn't horrible or anything like that. Yeah. And my past just like, man, you got a long way to go. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you basically seem like you know when chords change and you sort of like change the key when you're supposed to, but like you're not hitting strong notes and strong beats and you obviously didn't work this thing out. But it's like that's all important, but your your time is just so bad. Like, it's like everybody was constantly harping on that. Yeah. It's like, oof. But, but then he know, gives examples, like Adam said, and it's really like when you hear it, you're like, God, it sounds good. Yeah, it sounds so good it, when he plays. It was even like this crappy recording too, but just yeah, the feel yeah. of it sounds oh so God. good. You, it was insane. That that was a thing that like kind of blew my mind. It's like, okay, Pat's clearly talking this up, and. It's like, all right, well, and then he did it, and it does it after that, and you're kind of your jaw hits the floor, like, holy sh! That it was like unbelievable. Right. Like he just called it, and he's like, yeah. And then you can do it a little bit behind the big beat and a kind of a swing feel, and it's like yeah. he's playing against it, like it's nothing, but it sounds like it's so alive. Yeah, it's crazy. Like it, that was just yeah. It's even r- funny, like what is he's like? He's like the truth of the matter, man, is like. All the good players know this. It doesn't even, and he was just, he was making kind of, he wasn't totally meaning this, but he kind of meant it. It was like, if your time's good, like it doesn't even matter what you play. It sounds good. Yep. And then he plays like a chromatic scale. He's like, you just play chromatic or you just play a major scale or something. And he's doing it. And you're like, man, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just him and a click, you know? <laughs> yep. Exactly. And, and then you can, a- fi- you can find videos of Pat. Then you, if you go after that rabbit hole, find some videos of Pat just like warming up. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. They just sound awesome. Like, you just, it just sounds awesome. Like, yep. anything he plays sound good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that, like, it kind of reinforces my thing that I always tell my students, even beginner day ones, rhythm is the most important aspect. Sure. You've got to have time. Sure. And I think to an extent, since, you know, like, and, and you mentioned this before with like Indian cultures and uh, African cultures and so on, and the sense of time that is just ingrained with that. Yeah. Uh, it 
huge. And even uh, Japanese, you know, when I, I remember watching a video of them making mochi, you know, that uh, rice dessert where they're, but like they're singing a song and the guy's like moving the, the rice stuff and the other guy's dance this hammer, like pounding on it as they're going. And it's like, this is the way it was traditionally done for like, you know, X hundreds or even thousands of years. Yeah. So if you weren't singing the song right and your time was off, you break your hand, your arm broke by this huge sledgehammer thing. Yeah. So you learn pretty same time and that just plays off of it you know there's there's got to be some there's obviously an evolutionary reason why music and time is such a thing that pulls us in sure. like it, it's got to be there you know and yeah, everything- so that, was, that was funny because you jeff berlin was talking about that he's like do you think like bach and mozart didn't have a good time metronome wasn't invented yeah <laughs> you know and then you think about you were just talking about the cultures like like the indian culture is known for just being like some of the greatest rhythmic thinkers, they don't, they're mm-hmm. not using metronomes in their study and they have better time than all the people in you know, the United States with metronomes. The, 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 the hand counting. I, I oh can't yeah. Remember. So the, well, the conicals, the, the yeah, words, the right? Yeah, that's it. Um, so guys, you should study conicals. Fascinating. And what you'll find is it's way easier than saying, um, and I use it all the time. Um, and it really helps, especially like odd time signatures and stuff is just getting those words on you. Cause they're, they're, Better than saying like one two three one two you know one two three or one and a two and a three and a four and a, and you get to seven and a, like seven screws you up, so you yep. don't run into that kind of stuff really. Um, but yeah, like there's different words for it. But they also use this counting thing that's really clever. Um, and I don't know why we don't do this. Is like say you clap, and you might put this finger down, so that means it's one. Then you put two two fingers down three fingers down, you know, and you can keep track of time and they have some different ways that I don't know what the, the, the combinations are, but it's like, if you were doing this three, four, one, two, you know, you could, you kind of get that going where your fingers are telling you what beat it's on. Yep. You know, yep. um, so yeah, it's pretty, those, pretty interesting. And then I mean, you use I, that with, ta you know, like that kind of thing. And you're still keeping this going you know, during that whole time. So you can, you can really play with rhythm. It's even just fun, actually. Like just the, like you kind of heard me doing it a second ago. Like if you're sitting there waiting for the subway or the bus or whatever, you're wasting time. Yeah, you exactly. kind of sit there, you, go, you just play with rhythm and see what you can come up with. Um, it's just like the meme I just saw where it said the original, and it says on it, the, the original drum machine. And then it had a picture of like a high school desk. And it's like, yeah, that, that's true. You know, everybody yeah, sat yeah. there feet on their, their high school desk. I mean, my daughter today, um, she was bored because I was talking with friends of mine. We were out and she so she was bored and she's sitting there. She started like trying to drum. Like, so, so she's like, she's puts like the one foot down and she's like, dad, let's check this out. And she was trying to do this really dun, 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 like with her left hand and, and then like or something like that. And she's like, can you do it? And then I, I kind of did what she was talking about. But I'm like, you should start easier. And I was showing her, I'm like, okay, first we're going to do like the kick and then this foot, you know, in this hand. And then this will come on the other beat. And so she was getting like the, the standard rock beat kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, let's do two on the that kick, you know. You know. And I'm like, then I, but you were just saying that. I was like, that's totally how I learned how to play drums with on the, the desk. I <laughs> do that, you know. I was get a, independence with all your f- limbs. 
<laughs> See that that's it's, apparently I don't have that uh, ability because I, I get more than just my hands and things start to fall apart really really quick. Oh yeah, I guess you got uh, you got more desk time, buddy. I guess so. I mean, I was too busy uh, walking around or reading. I just didn't pay attention in class. I was either drawing <laughs> or doing that, and then that's how you become an engineer and a jazz musician. There you go. It's, it's, you just subliminally absorb the yeah. uh, the, the math engineering and then the rest of it is all in your hands but like last night i decided to really start to dive into playing or writing drum parts using my drum pad which mm -hmm. oh you can see it it's right there a little uh presonus atom there yeah. and that was really that was a lot of fun like i got the first times i approached it were terrible but once and i think this rhythmic uh, practice really helped me get a lot more confident in using that and just kind of like being able to tap it out with a lot more like okay this is it type of sure. thing to the point where i you know, I, I, I intentionally ditched the click because this is nothing for public consumption. It was just basically <laughs> me screwing around to see. Yeah, you got to mess around with it, right? Yep. You got to get absolutely like it. You know, it, it's one of those things where some people are like, you know, when I die, burn my journals. It's going to be like when I die, delete the hard drive, get rid of all the all the stuff that never came to fruition that I thought at two o'clock in the morning it was like that's a great idea. Then it was Julie, like, back yeah. up. I'm in here yeah. doing Adam a service. I'm deleting the hard drive. Why would you do that? <laughs> it Why needs you like that on fire. He told me. Yeah. Yep, it needed it needed to happen for everybody's sa ha uh, safety on that regard. <laughs> <laughs> it's just part of it. But that, you know, it's like the uh, what was it? Um, that human gnome app. Oh yeah. And that's a, see, like I think that's kind of contrary to what we were going for. And that, but that's useful in a different way because that's teaching you to follow somebody. Yeah, that, that, that was a totally different, but it's, yeah, it's a fascinating one. Like you should be listening to people you're playing with and yep. trying to keep up with them. And yeah, they're not going to be perfect. Exactly. Um, and you can't just be like, well, you're not perfect. So I guess we're not playing together because I'm perfect. <laughs> we're not the, what's it, George Michael Bluth, <laughs> you know, with this yeah. incredible sense of time. <laughs> well, I think, too, well, one thing that Jeff didn't highlight and same with Pat Metheny. Well, he kind of he mentioned it in that thing, which is I don't I don't know that you can do it on your own. This is where like the recording's really important because yeah, with the though like the the really like every once in a while click thing, you can you can realize that you didn't know where one was or whatever because the click was you guys didn't line up. Yeah. But uh but what you don't have is somebody yelling at you to tell you how bad it was. Right. So Pat kind of mentions that like he grew up playing with these guys and they'd just be like, dude, that sucked. Like you need to get your time together. Like you're not with me. Like mm -hmm. you need, you're always coming too early on the fourth beat. You're, you know, like you, you almost need someone to, to kind of like yell at you about it because you might think it sounds good. That's one thing I realized before doing the recording is like, you kind of think like, this is where I think I should be playing against the metronome in time. But then when you record it and listen back, you realize, oh, that wasn't like, I thought I was doing what I thought I was doing, but when in actuality, what was actually being heard was not the thing that I thought was in my head. So it's almost like you have to relearn how to even hear time yep. and what you're playing against it. So that, that recording yourself, um, I think this is why like a lot of people, when they go to the studio, they're just like, that's not what I sound like. Yeah. <laughs> or like, even like, you know, we do that with our voices too. You're like, that's not what my voice sounds like. But uh, yeah. I think it's the same way you're playing. You're like, that's not how I sound. 
Um, and it's like, yeah, actually, that's how you sound. You just never listen to yourself. So you almost like exactly. brutally have to listen to yourself to hear what it sounds like. Because I don't think you, you can't trust your like instinct on it or whatever. No, that's exactly it. I mean, the fundamental thing is, and I think that's more of a human nature thing. We'll distort what comes at us. That's just yeah. the way that it is. You know, we only have so much cognitive ability uh, to keep track of everything that we're going to, it's going to come through our own rose colored ears and yeah. whatever. But tapes don't lie. I mean, that's one of the first things yeah, I tell. Right. Tapes don't lie. You, you hit play. It's not like the tape screwed up. It's giving you back exactly what you put into it. Sure. And you know, I, it's, I had one student going in the studio and I'm like trying to prep them as much as possible. You know, I'm telling them, listen, you got to record yourself at home. You've yeah. got to record yourself at home before you sit down in that place and do that work. Record yourself at home because if you don't, man, you're going to get a dose of reality that you don't want to be in public to see, <laughs> you know, to, to have that emotional baggage of like. Oh my God, I suck. And then you realize why some musicians, you know, use drugs in the studio or whatever. Because, <laughs> it, 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 and, it, it, yeah, you know, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Jokingly, but it's like, but there is like a tremendous amount of feedback that you're getting at first that is totally, especially the further back you go. You know, now it's like I can click on my phone and go, there's my feedback and yeah. I got it right. But you go back even 20 years, that wasn't available unless you spent the money for a tape uh, recorder sure. or whatever. And so the tape recorders have been around, right? Those, those always been convenient, but the phones are great. The phones, I mean, yeah, like you could, I just delete them. So I, 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 I like record the 30 seconds and I delete it. And then I record yeah, another 30 this, seconds. Parody or whatever. This is just to, this is to tell me how much I suck, yeah. you know, to an extent. And I, and I mean that, but you know, that's also part of being a mature musician is to be able to go like, Oh God, that was terrible. You know, and not, I can say that, but not feel that emotionally. Just yeah. like that. Bad. all right let's do it again you know whatever and uh, that takes a while but that only happens through getting some black eyes sure. you know you gotta take your knocks well i think you know if you had the right teachers or the right mentors or whatever yeah you could get a, maybe a similar experience but if you were around them a lot where the mm -hmm. if they were especially if they're the kind of the old school hardcore gonna give you <laughs> crap for it i mean yeah. it, sometimes you just need like that tough i i don't know this do you actually need it or not? I don't know. We don't have to go into that, but it it's not always the best to have somebody always complimenting you, right? It can be, oh, yeah, absolutely. It can be very useful for somebody to say that really wasn't hitting it, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and that's the type of feedback that you appreciate because when somebody's like, yeah. you're always doing great, then you're not going to really believe them to the extent of somebody that's critical, not hypercritical, but critical in the right way and be like, yeah. all right. Yeah. Let's fix this. Let's fix this. Work on this. Do this. Do this. And then when they get, actually you do something and they get complimented, you're going to take it that much more weighted because there was sure. actually that uh, discipline to it. And part of that's just finding a, a good teacher because you have sure. to have that. As a teacher, you have to have the confidence to tell somebody you're wrong. Right. And then as a student, you have to have the openness to receive that and be like, okay, what do I do to get better? And then you'll t you'll take that feedback of positive, like that positive feedback, that much better because it's like, okay, I'm definitely on the right track now. But sure. if you're always getting complimented, you just don't know. And then you walk into somebody else or you walk into this band setting thinking you're hot stuff and they just rip you apart. You sure. Yeah, it's good to have <laughs> yeah. – it can be good to have good, tough band leaders that are good. Yeah. yeah. yeah what was it that – what was that movie? God. Um, oh, you're talking about – the one the with jazz, the, the jazz, yeah, one. 
God, I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, why am I blinking too? Yeah, I'm blinking because of the Talisker I downed, but uh, <laughs> I can't remember what the heck that was that called. Either way, that that famous drum scene, you know, where it's like, yeah. are you rushing a dragon? Now, if you're really listening, it's like, no, that kid was dead on, like, the entire time. This guy is yeah. just trying to break and get inside the kid's head. But, you know, at the same time, as a student, depending on the intensity of the teacher, you can take it like that, that intense that the guy's, you know, sure, the teacher sure. can be like, the teacher can be intense, but clearly not throwing the chair in tents. But you could take it like he's throwing a chair at you as a student when he's putting you on the spot and pushing you through it. But that's also part of the reason, you know, you have to, I know this for myself, it's like you got to find those points where you push a student that far. Because you you can see that the potential is after that, but they got to have that break or they have to hit that wall within them and hit it hard enough to see the crack in the wall to go like, hey, I can get through this. And then they do, and it's like, okay, great, and they're going to take off, you know. But it, it, and that just comes from a lot of experience in teaching. Is like you have to, and uh, repertoire with the student. You begin to know them better, know where you can push on things without breaking them, and and that's an encouraging way. And sometimes, you know, you just got to put the kibosh and be like, that, that was just terrible. What are you doing? So. I mean, I, most of us have had those situations. There are most good musicians, I think, have got reamed a oh, few yeah. times. You know, you're, you're like, even when you think you maybe did okay, and just like, you, you're really, I don't I have no idea what you just played. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what you're thinking, or like, you're going to have to, like, that wasn't even, you're, you're so far away from being good that you need to get, <laughs> like, I don't even know what to tell you. Like, I've had that happen a few times. Can I see that instrument for a moment? Yeah. Just, just, just let me see. <laughs> so, you know, let me get that away from you before you do more damage to that thing. Right. Um, and we've all done that. It's part of the learning experience. If you haven't gotten your your ego thoroughly crushed to an extent uh, in a in a healthy learning environment, well, hopefully you know, in a healthy, yeah, hope, yeah, yeah it, hopefully in a healthy one. And then you have to also, as a stubborn as a student, you got to be stubborn as hell to be like, all right, yeah, I got crushed. I'm going back to this again. Sure. Like, and willingly subject yourself to the potential of that happening again because you're gonna get better. You know, you know, I mean, this this music's not the only field that's like that too, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, like engineering Anything can be like that, like law or whatever. Like you hear all kinds of you know people like I'm gonna quit. Like I can't. Take, their boss was really hard on them, or they messed yep. up, and it's like, well, yeah, everybody messes up, but you gotta you gotta come back and try to do better. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the level of mess up, it can is. Yeah. Clearly, like, you know, if you're, you did something, it's like, whoop, that just cost the company $70 million. Right. <laughs> that's a little bit, you're going to, and you should take that hard to an extent. Yeah. It's like, it's like, well, yeah, that's a huge screw up. Or, you know, if you're like, if I'm playing a wedding and I screw up the bridal march, it's like, <laughs> right. You know, that's now it's been a while. Thank God, since I've done that. And yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've set myself up so that where it's, that is going to be extremely difficult to do. You know, I don't grab something that I've never played before two days before the wedding and attempt to do it. That's just well, also like you're probably stuff you've gotten good enough as a musician too, right? Where it's like a little flub's not going to throw you off. Yeah, exactly. Because we all have, especially on guitar, right? It's a cruel um, beast where it, <laughs> it, you know, just sometimes you you actually are playing like pretty much dead on, but you just hit the fret just wrong and it hits, yep. it doesn't sound right. No matter how good you are, you'd be the greatest in the world. And that happens to everybody. Um, but when you first, you know, when that first starts to happen, and especially when in your performing, all you yeah, see a lot of people is like they freak out when that happens yeah. and everything falls apart 
but the better and more experience you get it's like you just you know that kind of stuff happens so you don't you just keep going on so that this no one else can tell you knew it happened maybe somebody was really paying attention they heard that note didn't come out quite as good as they thought but you've saved it already because three seconds later everything else sounded good no even. one even remembers that it happened yeah so you, you kind of can't just lose you can't get crushed by those little like mis- i don't even want to say mistakes just incidents that happen yeah but and that's the re- that's the other reason why tapes are great because you know you can yeah. sit there and you can do a concert and you can think that you made this catastrophic mistake where you know it yeah. sounds like, like to yourself it sounds like you took the guitar like, <laughs> yeah and just threw it on the stage jumped on it peed on it and walked off you know and then when you play it back it was like a little blip and it wasn't yeah. even that it was like oh yeah, and then were, was it the, I thought it was this I thought it was the section that yeah, had that I, happening I screwed that up wait a minute what really. You know, and, but the, con- the the then it's the, the converse is or the the other side, right? Yeah, we'll go with that. The other side is also true. Where you think that you're doing great, and then you listen back to it, it's like, oh my god, I was all over the place. Yeah, right. You know, it's it's like, can I actually play something without buzzing a note? You know, sure. you know, and it's so it, it's great to have that external feedback with the tape, not only with learning with concerts and so on, because it's a, it's a thing that doesn't lie, and it's like especially now with the phone, if I decide to like throw the phone up and just hit record, the drive home is usually me listening to that performance, you know, and now I'm at a point where it's like, if I think it went really bad, I'm definitely hitting play. Like the better I think it went, the less apt I am to be like, Oh yeah, let's play that back. No, it's like, now you you realize how bad it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, I got to keep that. I feel good. No, I don't. Um, you know, so. I, I was thinking. I was thinking now too, and you were saying that is when I've been listening back to these little thirty-second segments, and I'm really hard on myself. And even like the other day, I I did. I, I was telling you, I was like, I'm like, maybe I should just start at the beginning again. Like, go get like Mel Bay book one, you know. Yeah. But I I I can be really hard on myself. But listening to music and listening, especially I'm like, like jazz stuff, right? And or anybody really. And if you have good headphones and a good sound, like I can hear my heroes doing that too. Like if I was like, if I put that little critical hat on and some of the things that I hear, it's like, I would have never let, like, at least in some sense, I would have never let my solo sound the way that theirs did in some of the little flubs that you can kind of hear through it. And it's like, well, but I still love that solo that they did. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like some, there's like two different sides here. It's like the critical side that's evaluating yourself, but you could appreciate it in another musician. So I try to remember that too. Like as I'm going through it, it's like, yeah, well, none of the, when you're playing with a clean guitar, especially in an amp where every little thing's like amplified, mm-hmm. every little like, even like when you rush or you, you're behind or the t- time's weird a little bit or something, like, it's hard to find recordings where that doesn't happen with the greatest in the world. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I guess we all seek some kind of um, perfection or something, but um, we none of us have it, you know. Um, yeah, no, and that's but that's part of the reason why we do what we do. Yeah. If it was easily done, then everybody was doing it. Yeah, you so know, then to- you have to go back and be like, okay, well, not every solo that you know West Montgomery did, like every little note was perfect in a, in in the overall arch of it yes they're all perfect in it it's amazing how great he was i'm just picking yeah. on somebody who's great um 
who's like known for like every solo just sounds like there's no mistakes in a way like he kind of has that vibe but you can hear a little like thing sometimes with the note the one note didn't come out as loud as the other one and and somebody might say, well, he meant to do that. or I, But you can kind of tell, like, if you're really listening, like, well, they, he probably didn't mean to do that if you're really being picky. But it didn't matter because the vibe was so good and, like, the notes choice was still perfect or good. or Exactly. You, know, um, you, you begin to take – it's like you, you stop looking so much at every little detail yeah. and begin to pull out a little bit and get a bigger sense of the picture. Sure for that and that kind of goes like well that doesn't really matter because these these both ends were incredible so yeah. you know whatever you know, i don't one- know about you but like some of my favorite music especially like more in the rock vibe or whatever or like even like punkish vibe mm-hmm. you know like it's not perfect like that but yeah. that's like the charm of it like exactly. it's such a cool vibe and like yeah the strings are like um ringing when they weren't supposed to or like yeah, there's notes ringing, you know, over each other, and they didn't quite get that chord changed perfectly in time. But it's like there's a vibe to it, and like the overall experience as a listener sounds so good. Um, it and we like it. I think humans like it too. Like we we don't seek this perfection. We like the human artsy quality of it and the sort of rough edges a little bit. Um, it's part of it. Yeah, it's just it's a great vibe. I mean, gosh. And that's it. I mean, fundamentally, you got to have the groove. That that's yeah. no matter what style of music you're playing. If it doesn't groove, man, it, it's lifeless and it's boring as hell. And that means that nothing. That doesn't necessarily mean that everything comes in exactly perfect. Right. That that gets sterile to an extent. Yeah, I was you just know? listening to um, my friend Ian. He's this awesome drummer. Um, he he can do this thing where he actually like puts like stuff on his drums or whatever, and it sounds like almost like electronic drum set. And he sells samples. He's getting pretty, like, known, or at least in the Instagram and, like, Facebook worlds or whatever. Like, he puts out videos and gets tens of thousands of views and likes and stuff. You know, he's he's one of those people now. Um, but he was doing an interview about how when he was starting to do this, trying to get become sound like a drum machine almost, right? Where you can't tell, like, was that a drum machine or was that a person? Like, you really can't tell in his videos. It's so cool and it's fun to watch and his <laughs> time's so good. But he was talking about how in the you know like the sampling world right where like hip-hop and everything came from they were taking these old records like james brown records or whatever and using those but those aren't perfect the time isn't like dead on because they're humans doing it without a click or whatever and so a lot of the samples that were used like the time isn't exactly perfect it has this like fluid thing happening and they're cutting up in pieces and sticking them together right yep and it has this vibe, and and I was thinking, I'm just thinking now, as I just saw this just a couple hours ago, I watched this little thing. Um, if they were perfect, it wouldn't sound as good. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of it is that vibe, right? That they're like they're a little bit off, but it's like the human quality, and it just grooves so much harder. Yep. Yeah. The quintessential thing of the uh, Terminator soundtrack. What time signature is that? And it ends up going like it's like well, it's kind of like an eleven eight, but. Not really, because of the way that the programming works with a synth that just throws right. it off. So it makes it, but it still works. Like sure. 
anybody that's seen the movie still has that da na 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 going through their head, you know, whichever. Uh, after that, and it's uh, so that's like one of those fascinating human things that we have. It's just like we can understand what perfection would be in the sense of no mistakes, but it doesn't mean that we necessarily want that to happen. You know, another interesting thought on that same front is like, um, we like to think, oh, I wrote this thing in 2516, right? And that's really complicated. And <laughs> I, I did it and I, and I perfected it and I nailed it and we're right in time. Is that really more complex than like a band playing in 4-4, but they're like slowing down and speeding up? Like just from a complexity standpoint... Like the actual like slowing down, speeding up, where they stretch the four four. Like yeah. one time it takes four seconds, the next time it's four point two seconds, yep. the next time it's three point nine seconds. You know, like that's actually like a very complex thing to duplicate because it's not so much in time. So, does our brain process the uh, stretchy time, so to speak, as more complicated because it sort of is than the perfect twenty five eight or sixteen thing? that we think is complicated, but like our brain's like, well, that's, it's so perfect that it's, it's sort of like not that complex in a way. Um, mm -hmm. I can, I can easily divide that and do, you know, I can divide those chunks up and it's just kind of boring where this one's actually way more interesting because <laughs> it's sort of fluid and I don't really know where it's going to land. And we actually appreciate it more maybe as like humans, maybe that's why we like the slight imperfections more because they're actually, a lot more complex if you were trying to duplicate it. Like as a computer, imagine computer programming, which is why the computer programs never sound that great. They try to humanize it, mm -hmm. um, which helps a little bit actually. It, it um, does. It does. Um, but it's like to, to add like sense of like imperfection to it that actually yep. makes it sound more interesting. Uh, it's kind of, it's fascinating really when you think about it. Well, um, it's, uh, what was I going to say? Shoot. I, I had something to interject there, but I, and I ruined it. Yeah, it's not the first time. But uh, oh God, what was it? It had to do with the um. Oh, like uh, I was introducing one of my friends, the cleric, the yeah. band. Oh yeah, and, and like They're he, so good at that. They, they, they are, and that's why I'm bringing this up because, like, I forget what the track name was, but I'm just like, this is going to sound like noise, but let me tell you something. Yeah, this is unbelievably difficult to put together consistently and i've i remember seeing them with you at uh with annabelle's all right in yeah. the basement and it was it was i listened to the album and then i went and saw the show and i was like holy crap they pulled oh, yeah. that off live sure. like not even like the slightest so brilliant problem. yeah it was like oh my god you know it was stunning to me to, to see that you know it was cool on the album right. but it was to, to that live performance of doing it it was like, wait, what? <laughs> like they're that like, was intentional. That was, they're so good. They're like the perfect like organic band of like virtuosos. That oh, it's like because they're they're one of those bands like I, I don't know. A lot of times when I hear odd times or like um, dream theater type stuff, it's so uh, it's like so regimented or something. Like this part's gonna be in eleven sixteen, and this part's gonna be in seventeen sixteen, and Maybe or maybe they're like this eleven sixteen to fifteen sixteen to say it's like so like that, but theirs always just feels so like organic. Like it it might be very intense or whatever a lot of times, but yeah, it's like 
well, this part was an 11, but it's not like we had contrived it to 11. It's like that just happened. And then this yeah. part, well, of course it would be in 17 because it, it took that phrase and it like it, it developed it. And yeah. it's like the whole song just kind of evolves. It's like a yeah, long exactly. form composition Absolutely. that is constantly rearranging itself in this really interesting way. It's very, I don't know. There's really no other bands I can think of quite like that. Yeah. Especially with the vast amount of like influences that they pull from. It's, um, it's, I love their stuff. I, I, I still got to pick up the stuff they did with Zorn. I, oh, I, yeah, I gotta, yeah. Matt's stuff with Zorn. That's, that's a cool project. The Sim- yeah. Simulacrum. Yeah, probably, oh, probably. then there's the cleric. They, they did do one of the albums for the, um, gosh, why am I, why am I blanking on what it is? A Masada. So John Zorn wrote the book, the book of Masada tunes. And he had a, a big project a few years ago where like 10, I think it was like 10 different bands did it. Like basically an album of Masada yeah. tunes and cleric was one of them. Yeah. It's just, you know, awesome stuff. I got to get my hands on that. It's not, it's that's like obscure to the point of you have to find a place to buy it and hopefully you can, buy it you know it's like a, you had to a buy the whole thing but I th- there's a few of them you can get as individual albums i think and i think the cleric's one of them either way i'd grab the whole thing because i like yeah. Songs, so. yeah it's like a hundred like, hundred bucks or whatever it gets you like the whole thing something it's not too bad so it, and worth it like especially I if you that, have- i'm pretty sure that john zorn got screwed by pledge music on that that sucks I might but, be mixing up who it was, but I'm almost certain it was Pledge Music. So don't quote me on that, but it was like a Kickstarter or one of those kind of things. And they didn't pay him. And I, as far as I know, they still haven't paid him. Wow. And it was like a good amount of money. Yeah. He didn't get a cent of it. Yeah. They wow. did that to a bunch of bands, I guess. I'm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Kickstarter, but it was like, I think pretty sure it was pledge music was that the one that is defunct now i don't they were like we're bankrupt and we don't have any you know i don't know how they wasted i don't know how they could have done that but that just that boggles my mind (laughs) whole other topic but yeah whole other topic we'll save that for another one but um yeah but zorn's also great with the the like fluidy time signature things and stuff um in that samala i think that's how you say it samalacron which is the guitar player from Cleric. It's Kenny Krokowski on drums. Um, John Modeski on organ. And I can't remember. The, oh, Trevor Dunn from Mr. Bungle and stuff like that plays bass on some of it too. So this, it's like this killing <laughs> band. And Zorn doesn't play anything, but he writes all the tunes and they play them. And he produces hmm. it and everything. And there's like seven of those albums out, I think, now. Wow. And they're cool. I mean, it's like, imagine like Sim- organ with like Matt's playing. On, yeah. You know. <laughs> is it simulacrum? Is that it? what you said? Maybe. Simulacrum is uh, like a. It's a word I didn't know. Magic thing. Uh, it sounds probably like right then. <laughs> magic in the sense of like, you know, D&D, you create a simulacrum of a person and it's kind of right. like a hologram thing of them. That uh, seems reasonable. That's probably yeah, what it is. Which, which seems like it ties <laughs> the band name personally, but I could be totally wrong. You know, it's a Samsonite. I was way off. No, so it, it, it's uh, something like that. What you're saying sounds reasonable to me. <laughs> well, we'll throw it into the reasonable category. So, 
and it would also explain uh, why I had no idea what it was because I don't play games. (laughs) Come on, it's D and D, man. It's the hot stuff now, which is kind of true. It's it's fun to see like and that my middle school, high school nerddom stuff become like things that everybody's doing now. It's like ah, I'm cool. (laughs) When did that happen? Stranger Things, right? Yeah, exactly. Probably, I think that had a lot to do with it. And have your kids watched Stranger Things yet? Have my kids yet? Yeah. Uh, no, I can't. Like, I watched the first. Oh, you haven't watched all of them. Yeah. No, I watched two. Two. I definitely got through the second season, and that was it. Like, are all four out? I can't remember if it's three or four. It's definitely four. Is uh, I remember seeing a trailer for the fourth season, so I haven't seen the third or the fourth ones just yet. Okay. Yeah the the one that the, there hasn't been one out for a year or so or whatever. The last yeah. year and a half or whatever. Well, this last week I started catching up on TV shows because I was just not in the mode to read yeah. because other stuff. But it was just I, I'm like I, I just can't read. I need stupid right now. So I basically like I caught up on this whole season's Rick and Morty, which was really freaking good. Holy cow! Wow. There was a couple of moments where I literally had to pause it. I was laughing so hard. Nice. So it, uh, it's great. But uh, anyways, so before we close up though, yeah, we need to hear. You're, I, I have to do oh, this. you son of a. Yeah, I got to expose Tim. Mur- I, I, I pushed Tim Mirth into Apple Music. And what is your verdict, sir? Yes, I thought it was so. Um, still, like, you know, streaming kind of is what it is. But um, one thing is, I know I hate Spotify. Like, just from the sound. It oh, yeah. It's always it's sounded awesome. bad. And even when you put on, like, high quality. Um, so I had title. So part of my sprint deal that I had for a while was they gave you title for free. So I got to use title initially for free. Um, because, or whatever. And we had Spotify, I think. And we, we actually, we actually went through, like we had Rhapsody at one point and we had, yeah, Pandora, you know, so over the years, I don't even remember why we ended up with Spotify. We had Spotify and he's like, you just sound quality wise with good headphones. Like there's just no comparison between Tidal and Spotify. And then you go and look at like artist pay and Tidal was paying like three or four times as much per stream as mm-hmm. Tidal, as a uh, Spotify. So yep. it's like, and it's the same price for like the family plan or whatever. So I was like, I got my whole family to convert to Tidal. So it's like at least... It's like every time you play a track, at least like four times as much money was going yeah. to the artist, right? And it sounds better. So yep. it's still not enough, but whatever. Um, anyway, Apple Music recently did their thing with the lossless audio and the Dolby Atmos thing. And then I think they also made a pack that they were going to pay at least a cent per play or something like that, um, which was a lot like three times as much as they used to pay. <laughs> yeah. So, and then the lossless and all that stuff, if you, it, it didn't cost any extra, it just was part of that the package. It's, when they did that for free, I was like, that's kind of impressive guys. Nice. Yeah. So then, uh, title though, they did have like a premium package. It was like double the price mm-hmm. would get you the lossless audio. Anyway, I decided to do the trial because Adam's been bothering me about this Atmos thing. You got to try the Atmos. You got to do <laughs> so it. So I, I actually, I, tr- I tried. Um, so I was like, crap, I'll just get the um, 
I'll just do a trial or whatever. You get a 14-day trial of Apple Music. And I went to compare it. Well, one, I couldn't get the Atmos to work because my phone didn't support it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I had the lossless. So I was going back and forth comparing lossless Apple to the title. It was really interesting, actually. Um, there's definitely a difference in the algorithms um, where... For whatever reason, title sounds a little bit warmer than Apple Music, and Apple Music sounds a little bit brighter. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like detail, reproduction, whatever, I mean, the lossless was just better than what the title was. You could hear some things you couldn't hear otherwise, and it wasn't the the high end weren't so vastly different. But I really noticed it in the low end, um, like with good headphones and stuff. And then actually I, I had to get a phone upgrade and it's been like months behind doing that. Um, I didn't have to, I guess, but yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of do one and there was a, a couple of problems with the phone I had at the time anyway. The, and so I just got a new phone. This is all happening last week or so. Um, and it does support Dol- Dolby Atmos. So I did get to hear that as well, which I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of mixed results with it. But, and uh, that- what I did notice though is I had to because no one has the the plugs anymore the three me you know you have to get something for your phone which sucks but mm-hmm. I got one with the I got a USB C to and it's like some kind of DAC yeah um, but it was like pretty minimal but anyway I did notice it and when I listened on there even a little bit more so than I had noticed it before. Um, the differences between it. So I think the family will be switching over to Apple. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, 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 I was absolutely stunned with the lossless thing. And then with the Dolby Atmos, I'm in the same exact thing when it works. Yeah. Wow. Just like, holy crap. But when it doesn't, it completely sucks the life out of a tune. Like, yeah, I, I just like, I'm not, I can't decide even when it was done well, if I like it better than just the lossless regular, like, yeah, I'll give you that. Sometimes it's it, like, well, I yeah, I can hear some things better than I could, but like you lose maybe a sense of power or oomph or something. Sometimes that's exactly. It's it, just it, like, it, well, is that? A, yeah, I can hear more, and it's a little bit more separated, um, and it sounds pretty cool. But maybe it's just not as enjoyable or something. I don't know. Yeah, it, losing the power is definitely something that I don't like about it because yeah. it kills the oomph to it. And maybe I, it, the question is, is like, is that because we've always been exposed to the stereo mixes with a certain amount of oomph, yeah, you know, know. That type of chicken or the egg type of thing. Either way, though, I, I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think it's just new tech and they are literally trying to pump out as much as they can with it. Well, and then no one maybe knows that good at it yet. Exactly. Like, like they're like, oh, I'll put the bass drum over here now. And it's like, well, the cool thing about it before was it kind of hit both ears and like. You know, it's like, well, now maybe it sort of just feels like it's over here. <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. Whatever reason. Like, so they're like, what they should have probably done is you would have lost a little bit of clarity, but you put it in both again or what? I don't know. You, yeah. You it's going it to take time. Take and a I little time to get good at it. Considering that it's like within the last year that this has happened and with everything else with the coronavirus and everything and, and nobody doing tons of recording and studio stuff. It's going to kind of now we're kind of coming out of that particular aspect and everybody's going in with these new atmos orientated ideas. Yeah. So it's 
I'm honestly kind of curious to see if Kanye West does it on his next album. And I've never been a huge fan of his stuff before, but I could appreciate everything in the production because it's, it's phenomenal. Sure. So I'm curious to see, like, with this new thing, it's like, is this going to be done for Dolby Atmos or is it still going to be like the stereo type of thing? I'm suspecting yeah. that the big bigger productions will do it. Yeah, but but what I mean is like written for it versus mm. just kind of being like, well, here's the stereo mix, and then we did this other thing afterwards. You yeah. know, I don't. I'd love to see something with that exact idea in mind because, like I said, when it hits and it works, yeah. wild. When it doesn't, it's like it's cool, and I can point where stuff is, but it's not moving me as it doesn't hit you as hard. True. You know. Um, and it's uh, I'm beginning like the audiophile rabbit hole is it's very very tempting. I mean, we were just talking the other day. It's like why not just screw the middle jump, just go right to the Sennheiser HD 800s. Oh yeah, on the <laughs> like, drop the fifteen hundred bucks on the headphones, and, and hopefully you'll be happy. Call it a day. Yeah. yeah, so hopefully you'll be happy. You know, there's also those focal. What is it? The clear clarity one clear yeah yeah that are like three thousand dollars or whatever. Oh, maybe yeah, maybe those are the clarity ones. I think the clear ones are like. 12 1400 something whatever i think yeah either way but you know it's like it's always a rabbit hole that you can keep allegedly (laughs) there's plenty more money to spend if you want to yeah yeah sennheiser the the flagship sennheiser thing outside of the 800s it's like a fifty thousand dollars thing sure like it's set up but that's everything it's incredible it's these super high-end headphones with a amp and a DAC and everything like that just like you press a button and it literally opened i watched a video on youtube because you know then you you listen to spotify (laughs) <laughs> exactly and that's the catch and the guy that uh, like linus tech tips linus tech tips did a thing on like this sixty thousand dollar headphone setup with yeah. the, the guy there was using like the title masters level thing he's like yeah. you can't do this with spotify it'd be like you know it, it, having gordon ramsay make you like a mcdonald's hamburger you know or whatever you know it's like it, it, it's, anyways I, that analogy probably falls apart but you get what i'm saying so you have to have great sources and that's like been my big hunt, and I have started to notice like the uh, the differences. Like these guys are definitely more on the mids and the trebles are hugely clear, but the bass needs to be pushed yeah. for sure. Like with the high fivens, um, but once you do, like I have my EQ flat outside of like the lower last, like the sixteen and the the, the what is it forty, and I get a, a little bit of it, and it's like boom, it's brilliant. My Odyssey, uh, the Eisines, are fantastic with the bass and everything else, but they don't have as big as a stereo space as the over-ears do. And then the Nobles have a pretty good stereo space. The bass is a little bit less kicking than the other ones, but it complements yeah. pretty well. You know, are but any the, of those open-ear? The... the Odysseys are. Okay. The, the Odysseys are. Um, the And these, obviously. But the, the Nobles obviously aren't. You know, you got yeah. the same one. I didn't realize the hi-fi men's were open ear. Yep. I don't know if you can see that, but it's great. It's got a great... I can't hear you. (laughs) My kids are always like, Dad, we can hear your music. Yeah. So, learn to appreciate it. (laughs) It does does help make it sound better in so many ways. If if you're in a space where you don't have a lot of noise. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So that's, yeah, because that, that outside of catching up on Rick and Morty, that's the other thing that I do is just sat here on the computer and just click through a bunch of Apple music, listening to different digital masters. But anyways, I think that, uh, I think that's a good spot. Yeah. To yeah you got me on the Apple thing. So I'm not so prideful. I would pick audio quality <laughs> over audio quality and yeah, at least I think 
fair. I mean, if they were paying less, I would say screw them. But yeah, I, it no, sounds I like they're at least on the better end of paying artists on the streaming front. It's still everyone's still like a third of the way there, maybe. But yeah, I think that it definitely needs to come up some, but. You know, I think that's it's the way that things go with the industry. It's like they're doing one thing, but once the artists begin to realize how much power they have in terms of that, it can kind of they can pull. They got something. It's a trillion dollar company. Come on. Yeah, for sure. And well, and the thing is too, it's like the the funny thing about the like pay per stream thing is like that's not how they pay most places. Like they pay record companies like a zillion dollars. We can get into this another time, but yeah, let's save that around. It's like they don't. It's not the only way those artists get paid. But the art, well, actually, it's the only way the artists get paid. But it's not the only way that record companies get paid. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or, I don't know. And then maybe oh, wow. like Taylor Swift has a deal or whatever. She probably has her own like. Oh, I get ten million dollars for being on Spotify, mm-hmm. and I don't get any streaming. You know, whatever. And they just want her on there or something. So, they're not playing the same game the rest of us are. Nope. Not at all. All right. All cool. right. Out of here, I guess. See you all in a week. Tell us, tell us about your, uh, if you try the metronome thing, let us know what you think. Yeah. Let us know what you think of that. And also what streaming services are you using? And let's just open it up to headphones as well. Like what's the yeah. common thing? If you, if you want, you know, leave a comment just so we know, uh, where people are at and what they're doing. So yeah, that'd be cool to know. Yep. All, all right. right. See Later y'all.